Welcome to this week's episode of Program Builders. Along with Coach Kevin Lubbers, I'm Donnie Smith. Excited to have Grace College men's basketball coach Scott Moore as our guest this week. Lancers coming off of a 27-9 season, made an appearance in Kansas City at the round of 16 in the NAI National Championship. Coach Lubbers, you had a chance to host Scott Moore earlier this season and his team. Uh, probably one of the better games that we saw in the furnace this year. Uh, just kind of first... Give us your impressions on on working against Coach Moore and coaching against his team and his program from from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, I've known Coach Moore for man, I don't even know how many years it is, but we've we've known each other a while, and uh, that's the first chance we've had to go against each other head to head as as head coaches. I, I know when he was an assistant uh, for Coach Kessler as well. I know we'll get into that a little bit, but a um, couple things. I mean, I think the stuff on the court, um, you know, their team is extremely talented and, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about uh, the fact that they got pretty much all freshmen and sophomores out there this year so can't even imagine what the what the ceiling is for that group over the next few years but uh, the coolest part is just the connection he and I have as as friends um, and really watching him uh, develop such an incredibly solid program on and off the court probably the most most fun game for me of the year uh, just as a friend to friend. I hate playing my friends, but, um, but I love playing my friends, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, the other thing, and, and Scott, I think we digress if we didn't address this too, is, um, you know, I know Frankie and Marcus Davidson really hurting right now um, as a family. Uh, just, I just want to express our condolences both to, to those guys individually, to you guys as a program, um, just a powerful, powerful testimony from Mark Davidson, uh, one that impacted me personally, uh, but also I know impacted our team. So just wanted to acknowledge that as well. But uh, love this guy that's on the screen here, Donnie. Can't wait to get into this a little bit. Scott, we can kind of start from there. You've got uh, two players that are dealing with uh, a pretty serious situation all throughout the season kind of walk us through uh, some of the challenges and, and your role in, in kind of helping those guys through a difficult time. Yeah. Um, first off, thanks for having me. This is great. I love uh, talking shop and uh, Kevin had a little bit better time than I did down in the furnace uh, this year. <laughs> we walked out of there with our first loss of the season. So uh, tremendous respect for coach, but um, yeah, you know, with coach Davidson, it's funny. Uh, I've been doing this for three years. I was with seven years with Coach K as an assistant and then three years with my older brother Matt and uh, Mount Vernon Nazarene as an assistant but this is the this is the type of stuff they don't they don't prepare you for right and uh you know the X's and O's and the basketball side of things the between the lines things um comes fairly fairly simple for the most part um just being in basketball for most of your life but this type of stuff um I was talking to a friend the other day like this this is coaching right? This is what defines um, what coaching actually is. And you don't really know what you don't know. So to go through that experience alongside, um, I got to be honest, I was probably, I was probably moved and impacted um, by that family and those two guys more than I impacted them this season. And uh, just to go through that with them, I feel like uh, it's made me a much better fastball coach now than I was, you know, back in, back in November. So, you know, they're hurting, but what a great testimony. I mean, I told the guys, um, 
gosh, he's going to have thousands and thousands of people at this funeral. And just that's what it's about, right? It's about relationships and it's about impacting others. And I can't imagine how many people Mark Davidson impacted just with his testimony. And I told another person the other day that, you know, that wasn't that wasn't Coach Davidson when he got sick. That was Coach Davidson his whole life. Uh, he proclaimed Jesus and he lived it. Uh, his message was always about, you know, that part of life. And then the basketball stuff is is, is awesome. But uh, this is what really matters. So we are going to miss him tremendously. I know the boys are going to miss him, but um, couldn't ask for a better family. And those two guys have just been so rock solid this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Coach. I, you know, one thing um, I think about, and, and we know each other well, we've talked about some of this, for, but for people that listen to this, um, you know, you come into a situation where you were an assistant coach, right, for years, for Coach K and, and all that comes with Coach K, right? Uh, and uh, just thinking about, you know, you get things that when you slide over a few inches, um, maybe they weren't quite the way you thought they were going to be, or they're kind of those surprising moments. Things like this obviously are on a category of their own, but what are some of those other things when you got started and you went from being Coach Moore, the assistant coach, to Coach Moore, the head coach, what were some of those kind of, oh boy, <laughs> moments? <laughs> yeah, there are some. I, I will say this, I'll start. I actually just, those of you who don't know Coach Kessler, um, I was fortunate because you talk about a man who, you know, has no ego and for, he just kept giving me and giving me and giving me to the point where, man, I was doing just about everything for the program because he just, he trusted me. I played for him. You know, I was one of his guys. So uh, having the opportunity that I thought that transition made it easier to be honest with you, you know, it's never easy replacing a legend. Um, but it was easier, I think, than most people would have just because, it was the same. I was running the same program, right? The foundation of the program was the same. Uh, it looked a little different. You know, I was almost 40 years younger than coach, obviously. So there's a, there's a big time gap in age difference, but um, the foundation never changed. I will say this, Kev, the, uh, you know, the most awkward thing I had was standing instead of sitting. I was uncomfortable. I just, yeah. I've never been a guy who liked to, you know, look at me, look at me, look at me. I like to kind of blend in. And uh, just standing that first five, six games um, was just uncomfortable. You had to teach yourself how to just walk the sideline. And uh, you can ask my assistant, Coach Widener, the pregame board, I probably wrote and erased it about 12 times <laughs> before my lines looked straight. I was OCD about just making sure everything was like, okay. And it's like, look, this doesn't matter. All that yeah. stuff. It's, it's funny when you're in it for a couple of years, you realize that, okay, Let's simplify all this stuff because they got an attention span of about 30 seconds here and let's make things easy. So, um, yeah, nothing really. I mean, the recruiting was the same. Um, you know, the league, the league's the same. You just, you just, you know, there are some, some things in corks, but that was honestly the most difficult was just teaching myself to stand and, and call timeouts and getting the officials ear once in a while, but um, not too, not too bad. Obviously, you took over a program that was on solid ground. Coach Kessler, one of the best we've ever seen, especially in that league. But is there anything that you felt that you wanted to change? Because obviously, you can't kind of fit yourself into that personality all the time. You've got to kind of put your spin on things. So what were a couple sure. of the things that 
whether it be from your time as a player or as an assistant under Coach K, that you said, you know what, if I ever slid over those couple inches, I might tweak this just a little bit or I might tweak that, that just a little bit? Well, I'll remember the first thing Coach said when he decided that, you know, he was going to step aside. And he had told me we had a meeting um, about November, December in his last year. And I, I kind of had an inkling that that was, that was kind of be it. But we had a conversation in his, uh, in his office, just me and him. And he said, you know, in, in February, we're going to announce, you know, I'm going to step down at the end of the year and, and you're going to take over. And I'll never forget what he had told me after that. He said, look. I love you to death. You know, you're my guy. I want you to do exactly what you want to do. And I want you to create a team that represents you, not me, and make something that you can put your stamp on. And I thought that was important. Um, you know, it's such a – I've been around for so long, right? My older brother played at Grace since 1998. So there were still a lot of lingering – not bad things, but just – a lot of things that I was just really familiar with for 20 years. And so that was the hardest part was just kind of like almost resetting and starting over. Right. Um, as far as changes, really my league made it really easy to kind of go after and find out, you know, how can we win games in this league? And so I just, I said two things. I wanted to create a team that I would want to play on. So that was the first thing. And then I said, I need to be a little bit different than the St. Francis, the Bethel, the Huntington, the Indiana Wesleyan, because it's just, you know, those guys recruit, you know, just as well as we can, if not better. The campuses are great. The coaches are phenomenal. Um, so how can we be different? And I remember a coach by the name of Jason G. He was an assistant at Cleveland State at the time. I met him in AAU tournament. And I'll never forget the question he asked. He goes, what's – what are you guys about? Like, what do you recruit? And I, I just tried to explain what we do and how we recruit. And he's like, well, yeah, but what's your identity? Like if someone said, this is who grace is, what would you answer? And I didn't have one. And so I think that's one thing that coach lovers has done really well. One of the hardest things to do as a coach is find an identity who you want to become and then staying with that. And so it's not a secret if you take a look at our team. I don't mind sharing this, but we're big, we're long, we're physical. And I just wanted to create a team that played really, really hard, had a really good attitude on the floor, but also someone that we felt like we could we could kind of beat up on the other teams because just you can't just show up and be Indiana Wesleyan at Indiana Wesleyan just because you think you've got, you know, good players. They've got better players or more players and man just being in Kansas City was this year was was evident that I think we're doing the right thing because geez yes coach lovers the, the athleticism now in the NAI now that it's gone one division is phenomenal I mean it's so much different than when I played at Grace um, we you just got to be athletic to be able to stand a chance so that's kind of one thing we went as far as the basketball side is just big physical you know we're pretty tall pretty pretty uh, stout pretty muscular um and that's about, <clears throat> hey scott and you know nobody wants to hear about this game you and i played early in december wherever it was you were in the final 16 my brother so you you were rolling in kansas city baby and, and got there which is awesome what you know and i think about you guys and i and i watch your league a lot right you see you know like you said wesleyan and francis and, and all these teams great coaches up and down the river great players 
and this isn't a knock on anybody else. I'm just talking about Grace basketball right here. What are some of those ingredients that you think you have that really separate you guys? Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know. It's never perfect, right? This is year three and you're always, you know, we're sitting in the, the office going, man, we got to get better. Like we got to get better. And we won 27, right? We won the fifth most games in program history. And you're sitting there going, man, this sucks, right? Because you didn't win that last. I do. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I of thing. So, um, I, you know, it's just honestly recruiting is such a huge, it's everything, right? It's, but not only is it everything with skill, it's everything with the type of kids that fit all the other stuff. So, yes, recruiting good, talented players and big players or whatever fits our culture is, is a huge deal. But I also, like, they got to fit that other criteria, right? I only have three things that I ask my guys, only three. I ask three things of them to be able to play for us, and we'll figure out the rest. One, they got to play hard. Like, there is no – it's the whole effort thing. I said coming into this, I'm never going to coach that. Like, that's just so hard nowadays to spend time trying to get kids to play hard that we're just going to recruit it. We're just going to play hard all the time. And if you don't play hard, then you're not going to play. And that's pretty pretty evident with the guys. They understand that. The second thing is just – it's not necessarily like an attitude thing, not just, you know, a, be positive all the time, but you got to be coachable. Like, if I can't coach you – then it's probably you're probably not going to work out very long. Um, whether that's coach you it with loving you, coach with getting on your rear end, coach you with sitting you beside me for a couple minutes, um, you just got to be able to be coachable. And the last one is just you got to be a great teammate, and we define that by a lot of things, right? So if if you're failing classes and you're ineligible, that's not being a good teammate. Like you're letting our guys down. If you're you know goofing off or doing something, you you get yourself injured because you're you know riding scooters around campus or I don't know. Um, like that's not being a good teammate. If you're barking at a guy constantly and then you make a mistake and you try to point fingers at someone else, that's not being a good teammate. And we'll sit you down for that. So those three things are what we really look for with the recruiting side of things outside of those, those intangibles with size and skill and whatnot. But um, yeah, it seems, it seems pretty simple, uh, but you'd be surprised how many guys yeah. I have to cross off now in my third and fourth year that I would have taken in a heartbeat five years ago as an assistant. And it's changed quite a bit, honestly. Yeah. And it's funny, right? You, you talked earlier too, about even just the coaching side of things. Sometimes it's, we overcomplicate, right? Especially early on those first few years, it's so easy to overcomplicate. I mean, I, I remember the first scouting report I was ever going to do is, is Cedarville. Uh, I'm a head coach and, and Pat Eastep, who's a friend of mine, bringing his team into town. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're, we're knocking off the D2s, baby. Here we go. And I sit down. I think I, it took me like an hour to get through the personnel. And my guys were, you know, half falling asleep and, and all over the place. I'm looking down I'm like, man, I'm an idiot. I'm making this so complicated, baby. But recruiting is like that, too, sometimes. Right. You you. You know, you get you get on some of these magnet guys, right? These guys that are super athletic or super skilled, and then you and then you peel the curtain back here a little bit, and you're like, eh, man, he really doesn't play that hard. And and sometimes saying no to guys that are very talented because they simply don't fit those criteria you're talking about can be a little tricky. Um, 
And, and one thing I wanted to ask you about, because I think, you know, Donnie, this is something that in, the, in our world right now is huge, right? Is this, this whole idea of transfers and transfer portal. And I remember back when I was playing and even first starting coaching, like if somebody transferred, there must have been like a, a major incident, right? Because people just stuck where they went and, and it was what it was. That's where you're at. And you're going to go for four years. And now it's just not like that anymore. I feel like there's this uh, Scott and I have talked about this. You have to continually recruit your roster and, and you really do it by just um, continuing to the story that you told them in recruiting comes true. Right. And when that happens, I don't think people leave, but when the story that you told them uh, doesn't come true, then the alarm bells go off for kids like, oh, well, what am I doing here that this guy's not telling me the truth. So one of the things I wanted to bring up about Scott and get his take on is, is, uh, you know, the number of returners that you have, Scott, I mean, they had an awesome team this year, but they were also super young, right? Tons of freshmen, tons of sophomores. And I'll let him talk about it. That's um, why, that's why I don't have any hair left. Hey, that's why you're my brother. We're right. <laughs> we're the bald brothers. But, um, you know, I think about how many kids are leaving and transferring programs right now. Scott, talk to us a little bit about the number of returners you're going to have. And I already know the answer, <laughs> but I want everybody else to know it. And why do you think that is? Yeah, I th let me go back to the um, the change in the scenery because you had made a great point, Kevin. You're you know you're just a, a, a couple years older than me, but I remember like when I was at Grace playing, and I'm not exaggerating, guys. I didn't even they never even crossed my mind. Like I no. never thought about it. It's just like your summer comes and you're ready. You're working because you want to go to, you know, at that time it was Branson, Missouri, and we want to hang a, hang a banner. And that's the focus the whole time. And every year was just to get better and better and better until we could do that. So it has changed. The landscape's changed. Um, but I think it goes back. I think kids get a bad rap on this a lot. Um, it's also our fault. And I go, I'll go back to the whole finding your identity and recruiting those kids Guys, there's a lot of coaches across the country who, again, they'll take kids and it doesn't work out and they'll push them out, right? So you don't really hear about those. You hear about the kids jumping around, jumping around. And it is a problem. No question. It's, a, it's a, a, a thing that is really becoming an issue across college athletics. But um, I think the coaches get off easy sometimes because it's also, it's also on us a little bit, finding the right guys. Uh, for us – you know, it is kind of crazy. Um, I guess I am proud of this. I guess you could say, if anything, uh, we got a hundred percent of our kids coming back. We, we don't have any, we didn't have any seniors, so we didn't have anyone graduating and we had our end of the year meetings. We had 15 players and, um, all 15 guys are coming back and we have a couple guys that are, um, are getting some, let's just say, phone calls to play at a different level. And that's another problem. You, you know, it's a good problem because it means you got really good players. But that's the first time I ever had to deal with this is, you know, having Division One uh, colleges call and recruit your guys. And to have those guys sit on your couch and say, well, Coach, I don't want to leave. That, that, I think, you know, I don't know what it is, but it means I've recruited the right kids. Um, it means that whatever's going on in that locker room is more than just basketball. The winning is nice and winning 27 games is nice, but you see it all over the place. There's a lot of good basketball teams, top 10, top five in the country that got guys leaving all the time. Right? So it has to be more than just basketball. I wish I could put it and tell you what it is. Maybe we just got lucky this year, but 
those kids in that locker room, I think it's a little bit more. And I think you saw that a little bit with the Davidson situation with the, you know, with dad, like, yes, X's and O's for us as a basketball coach are important, but you know, we're, we're called to coach people. We're called to teach basketball. And I think a lot of times we get that mixed up as we coach basketball, you don't coach basketball, man, you coach lives. And so whatever reason that is, I got great assistance. You know, the arena doesn't hurt. I don't get to play in this background here. This is Kevin Lover's area. So yeah, I have to come. The, uh, the Manif Manahan Orthopedic Capital Center does not leave anyone for want when they come out of there. What an unbelievable place. But you're so right, too, Scott. It's like, you know, sometimes with leadership stuff, we want we want to look around and be like, well, it's got to be their fault. It's got to be his fault. No, it's it's my fault. Right. If I can't keep a roster together and keep kids excited about being here and 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 want to see the growth that's possible outside of just the basketball stuff, um, then I'm the one that's got the problem, not the kids that want to transfer. Let's be honest. The biggest thing is kids want to play. Right. Kids yeah. want to play and they want there's not a single kid that if you play five minutes, you want to play 10. If you play 10, you want to play 20. If you play 20, you want to play 40. Like it's just it's on and on and on. So that was one thing that we really had to deal with this year. And actually that's one thing I really, I really uh, kind of talked to Kevin a lot this season is, you know, he's got a lot, he's got a lot of talented kids too. And so he's playing, you know, he's playing 10 players. And today there's a lot of teams that play six or seven guys. And I have a steady rotation. You know, we had nine, 10 guys that could play and, and who do you sit? Right. And so that was another thing where, we're going to have players leave because they want a different opportunity. You just want them. And I'm okay with that. You just want them to leave for the right reasons, I guess I should say. And one thing I will say about our end of the year meetings, this was cool. I, I kind of stole this from a friend of mine. I asked him five questions before we got into the like, you know, player, how the season go, all that stuff. The first question on the list was if you were to describe our team to someone else who knew nothing about our program, what would you say? How would you describe it? And 15 answers were the same. It was awesome. They're all individually answering, but they all said something along the lines of having it felt like a family or the locker room or something, you know, like that. And again, you're, you're walking out of there and I'm looking at coach Widener going, man, I don't know what you're doing, but you're doing something right. So keep doing this. Cause yeah. you know, got something good going. Let's not screw this up. Yeah. Great. Scott Moore is the men's basketball coach at Grace College joining us today on the podcast. Coach, I want to talk a little bit about handling success. You know, you talked about not being satisfied. 27 and nine is a pretty good season. You're one of the last 16 standing. You won one of the probably the toughest small college basketball conference tournament that there is in the Crossroads League. When is it OK to, to be excited about what you've accomplished? Because those are probably goals that you have. You're able to check that box but also keeping guys focused on we've still got a ways to go. We've still got a couple more games to win before we're, we're holding that red band and we're cutting down nets. Sure. Oh, I, well, I did. I called coach lovers this season actually. And um, I was struggling through that a little bit, you know, we had won 13 games in a row and then all of a sudden we get to the crossroads league and it's, it's, we had four out of our five games on the road against ranked opponents. And it's hard. You, you have to almost continually tell yourself like, Hey, you know, you got to get through this. There's more to just the end, you know, result here. It's, this is a process. That's why we play 30 games instead of six. So, 
you know, when is it to be satisfied? Look, we're all competitors, right? We all want to win. We all want to, you know, win the last game. So I don't think I would ever be, I think coaches lie to you. I would much rather uh, win ugly than lose and play a really good game. <laughs> and maybe I'm the only coach that likes to say that, but I'm okay to admit that. Um, but no, I, you know, where you, where you get a sense and a deep breath of that stuff, Donnie is, is right now. It's honestly, it's after the season. It's, you know, it's getting, it's getting an invitation in the mail for uh, a wedding. It's uh, guys, guys just texting you and just saying they love you out of, out of nowhere. Right. Like that right there, that's the win. And sometimes it's hard to, to understand that, even though I've been doing this for 13 years, I still, it stinks losing a game you felt you should have won. Um, it stinks losing to your friend, you know, down in Florida, you love playing against them, but like, you're like, gosh, but, uh, it all gets put in perspective pretty quick. And, um, and the coach Davidson thing, I think this year helped with that tremendously. Um, it helped really put the, put basketball, uh, where it really belongs for, for us. Not saying that we obviously wish that that stuff would have went down, but um, yeah, when you're a competitor, it's always going to be there though. Yeah. Um, Scott, what, one thing, and this is probably shifting gears a little bit, but you know, I think um, one of the things we're trying to talk about on this show too, is what are those really important ingredients to having a great program? Um, and you're in just in a little bit different spot than some of the other people uh, coming on, which, which is fun because you, you took over a program where you're really familiar, right, with the campus, the community, the AD, right, all that stuff. And, and you guys have, in my opinion, one of the best ADs in the country uh, in Chad Briscoe. Talk about how important that relationship is uh, to the success of a coach and, and just building a program. Sure. Well, I always sit in the, in the recruiting stages in my office and I'll say this to every kid that sits on the couch is I've, I've been here. Like I'm, I'm selling something that I believe in, right? I'm selling some, like there's no magic tricks. One thing I like about coach lovers is we're very similar in this is I don't want to get a kid to commit to me and show up in August, their freshman year. And then by the halfway through, say, wait a minute, this is not what I signed up for. This is nothing like you said it was going to be. It's like, look, this is who we are. This is what we're about. Uh, I have I have my AD talk to every recruit we have sits in there just because, again, you're right. He's one of the best. And I, I want him to have an injection in that. And I think kids respect that. I think kids today are smarter than we give credit for sometimes. I think they can sense if you're genuine or not. Uh, parents definitely can. Um, but the relationship with that side of stuff is huge, Kevin. The, uh, you know, my AD is a, is a basketball guy. He was a, a basketball coach. He was at Ball State for many years with Coach Buckley when he was there before Buckley went with Tom Crean to Indiana. So basketball is in his blood. Um, I probably talked to my AD. Uh, hopefully none of my other coaches see this. My, my AD and I probably talk more than he does with any other sport because basketball is probably his thing. Um, but he just, you know, Talking to other coaches, I will say this, who you work for, I'm not sure there's another or a more important factor in this job, right? And Kev, you've been doing this for longer than I have, um, and I can't speak for you, but I've heard plenty of, of stories about if you don't have the right administration, 
that's on your side or that can help you with your goals and aspiration, you can try to sell whatever you want, but it ain't, it's not coming true. And I just have been so blessed with not only the school and being a part of their student athlete myself, um, you know, my family's been involved for many, many years, but my, my support system there has just been phenomenal. And, and Chad is one of those guys that just puts his arm around you and say, hey, I'm here for you. I'll stay out of your way, which he does. A lot of ADs don't, right? But he's one of those guys that uh, kind of lets me do my thing and is always there with, with open arms if I need anything. Yeah, Chad's a, Chad's a great, great person. I had a chance, Donnie, we, we went, I took teams to, to Grace for, for several years playing in the Christian College tournament uh, up there. And really, to be honest, for me, it, the basketball part was, it was fun and so on. I think what Scott and I would both agree for me, the professional connection, uh, just the human being connection with other coaches, uh, with with Chad Briscoe and, and other coaches that worked there that I've known through the years was was one of my favorite times of the year, um, you know, just from a just from a human being standpoint and a, and a shot in the arm. It was always such a blessing to to go up to Grace. And one of the observations I have, Coach, of, of your program, but also of your university, is you know it didn't matter when we went up to Grace. It didn't matter if I was going and practicing in the, in the rec gym or I was you know just just walking into the building. Everybody greeted you the same way. I mean, they, they were they were welcoming. Uh, a lot of gratitude on that campus. You have some really nice things, um, but nobody's lost in that, right? They have a lot of gratitude for what they have. They're there to serve. They're there to encourage people that are on their campus. And, and uh, you know, I always felt that way when I went up there. So, so I know Chad leads the charge on that, but, but all you guys as coaches and, and uh, you know, president of the university on down just has that mindset uh, of giving and serving to others, which is which was always something something really cool to uh, to experience from my end. Thank you very much. We just got a new president, man. We're pretty stoked. Okay. We got a, we got a changing of the guard. Uh, had been there, for, I think, ten or twelve years. Dr. Kadep had served. Uh, he was our provost coming in uh, when I was in college, um, and we just got a new president, Dr. Flam. We're all pretty excited about younger guys. Actually. As crazy, he's like 38, 39 years old. So it's uh, it's nuts. People ask if he's one of my players. <laughs> he's still got his hair. He still looks good. So he, uh, he'll do a phenomenal job. That's one thing that the school does a really good job with is, you know, although he's young, although I was young when I took over for coach, um, just the support system and putting your arms around him, um, that's what we're here for. And he'll do a terrific job. We're really excited. I want to pick up a little bit more on, on the relationships and the camaraderie within the profession. I think even, even from my standpoint, it's, it's shifted in the last few years, you get a schedule and you get more excited about the people that you get to see and, and the people you get to interact with, as opposed to the teams that you're going to be playing or some of the places you'll be going, just kind of share how important some of those relationships and that relationship building with other coaches, as you guys go throughout the country and in, in your season is. Yeah, I just the networking itself is funny. When I got into this, within three four years, I may not know a, a coach directly, but I know a guy who knows that coach directly. And I think all of us could literally one phone call away from reaching. And I'm telling you, Donnie, it's anybody at any level. It's crazy. Um, so that's kind of fun as far as the connections go and learning as far as the basketball side. For me, it's you know. 
it's not a lonely job. We think it is. We think that we're the only team that's experiencing this or that or this or that. But that's the best part about this is every single one of us is dealing or has dealt with something that another one's going through. And that coaching fraternity is so important to surround yourself with guys. I mean, honestly, I can't tell you how many times I called Kevin this year just saying, hey, man, like, what, what do you got for me? And he's sitting there going, what are you talking about? What do you got for me? And I'm like, and it's it's just funny because you you forget that we are we're all in this you know we're competing and you're always going to compete but at the same time man these guys have families and there's some good faithful men out there that are 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 I know that care more about the relationship side of things like I do than just the wins and losses and you get caught up in that sometimes where you think you're this only only coach on an island. And that's not the truth, man. I, I can pick up my phone and, you know, there's 15, 20 guys that I could call right now that are just, you know, I just look up to so much that, man, could just help you through those things. And it's just phenomenal. It's fantastic. When you were, if you were going to talk to a, a young coach or young guy just coming out of college and he says, you know what, uh, I want to be a college coach can't wait to do this. This is, this is what I want to do. Um, what would you tell him? What would I tell a younger coach? Um, man, how much time we got? <laughs> we uh, go through this, I screwed up on, um, well, I, I maybe, maybe that's part of it too, Scott is like, talk, talk to your younger self a little bit. What, what would you tell yourself? What would you have done differently? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, one thing I would say, honestly, talking to someone who's getting into this business and whether your stop is, you know, what you and I are doing or your stop is to try to go as high as possible and climb up that food chain. Um, you know, you went all over the country. You've been in Colorado. You've been in Florida. You know, I'm a I'm a hometown kid. So, like, there's a lot of different ways to do this. But one thing I would tell a younger coach is. It is a it is a, a lot smaller fraternity than you realize. And so doing things the right way and learning as much as possible, man, like there's Kevin and I do not play the same way. Some things we do the same, but man, you can you can win in the 50s. You can win in the hundreds. You can have guys like Loyola had. Holy cow. Those dudes. Phenomenal. You can have guys like College Idaho has, right? They're just – they're playing zone the whole time. They're doing different things. And there's so many different ways to do this game, which is so beautiful about it. Um, it's just be you and find what makes you successful. And then attach to as many people as you can that have done this for a long time. Um, because, man, I remember when I was 25, you're just like, well, I know everything, right? Like, I know how to do this. I played this way. I was successful. Um, I'm surrounded by good people. This is easy. And then you realize pretty quick, like, I don't know anything, like literally anything. And it's funny being in the head seat. Now I can't tell you how much of a better basketball coach I am now than I was back in November of last year. You're always learning always. And I think the more you can just talk to people and, and be around the game and just continually have this growth mindset the better and the more chances and the more successful I think ultimately you're going to be. And the other thing I would say is I finally, I was able to find this out sooner than later is again, it's all, it's all relationships. That's everything. Everything in our business is about relationships. It's how can I make this young man? It's not about me, 
right? It's not about me. I get a lot of credit if we win a game or lose a game, but it's about relationships. It's about the next 40 years of these young men and women and what they're going to be able to do with that. And hopefully you can have a small impact in that. And that right there, the feeling you get inside your stomach when those things happen are greater than any feeling of victory that's ever been ever had. We won the Crossroads League tournament. There's no way that I felt more excited than I did when I got Hayden Deaton's wedding invitation. Like, it's just, that's the eternal paycheck, right? My, my AD says a lot. That's the eternal paycheck. That's what we do this for. Um, I don't have a yacht. I don't have a mansion. I don't get big checks in the mail. Kevin knows that too. Uh, but it's, it's much more than that. And that right there is worth more money than I could get paid doing this. You had a chance to work as an assistant under your brother, Matt. Marcus is working as, as an assistant with you. What's it like to have that family aspect on your coaching staff? But very different. So Matt is, Matt's very, very, he's the most intelligent, like basketball mind I've ever been around. We're very different in that sense where he just, like he lives and breathes it. Everything about him is basketball, basketball, basketball. And he's, his mind just never shuts down, man. He's the one that's, you know, probably in a restaurant somewhere doodling on the napkins, new sets he's trying to put in. I'm just like, dude, I, I got to go fish or something. Um, <laughs> So Matt is very, very from the from the professional side of things. I learned so much from him just being being great at all the little things, like all the things that we deem simple. If you can just be great at those and then do it over and over and over and over again, you're going to be successful. And that dude, I mean, he can call a timeout and have 30 seconds. He can make up a play on the spot and get all five guys to understand it better than anyone I've ever met. It's incredible. I mean, the, the dude's bank is amazing. So that's been really good, the professional size. Mark's awesome because, you know, he's my twin brother, but we couldn't be more opposite. One thing I love about Marcus is there's no, there's no yes man at all. He is going to tell me exactly where I suck. He's going to let me know. And it's more often he'll tell that than what we did well. Um, but he's family, right? So you get over it. You're just like, whatever, just I'm coaching, shut up, sit down. Uh, he's yelling at the officials from the third row at times. I got to turn around and said, dude, like you're going to get me in trouble. Shut your mouth. I think there was a few times I had to turn around during the games and tell him to be quiet because you're getting me a bad reputation here. But that's the best part is just, you know, when it's family, um, you can say things that maybe uh, other assistants wouldn't be uh, willing to tell you at times. Jordan will tell me stuff, but it'll be a little bit softer than what Marcus will. Yeah, no, that's that's good stuff. Uh, that's, you're making me laugh on a couple of those, there, Coach. I, I can feel you on that. Um, what about you know? I think back over doing this now for I don't I can't remember now 16, 17 years, something like that. I've been been in this world of college coaching, and and I look back and think, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> that was a really dumb decision. Like. Like uh, we don't have enough time for the whole conversation. You know, you, you think about with scheduling, right? Well, it sounded like a great idea to play, you know, three top 20 teams in a matter of four days. That sounded awesome when I did it on paper and we're going to go. The games actually happen. And you're like, man, can I have take backs on all that, please? But what's one decision that you look back on and say, huh, I really wish I would have done that differently. Yeah. You know, I don't have a lot. 
and I, not that I've done everything, you know, perfect by any means, that's not been the case, but, um, you know, I think my preparation with Matt and with coach K and having so much of the experience in that 10 years of doing it next to them, I was, I was able to learn and kind of cut out the fat that I thought I'd get myself into trouble in any way. There are some, there's coaching decisions. You always sit back and, you know, we're not perfect. And by, by all means, you look at film and you go, you know what? I should have went with this guy a little bit longer. or I should have done this a little bit different. Or what if we would have done this? But I've learned more often than not, when it comes to the coaching side of things, you trust your gut more than anything else. And, and I've started doing that more in year three than before and not second guessing. Um, I will say one thing I have changed, Kevin, is in year three, I was, you know, I was a point guard and so, and I was a boisterous point guard and I was a, you know, I played for a coach and coach K that gave me the reins day one freshman year. Um, so the more I could control and dictate um, the better I like that. Right. I was the kind of the maestro in that. And as a coach early on as an assistant in my first couple of years, that's how I coached. I'm going to dictate everything. And I learned pretty quick that, like my sets aren't winning these games because we play in a league that they know your offense and know your defense and know your sets better than some of your guys. Like, you know, I got, I'm playing a game calling out a set and some guys for Indiana Wesleyan are telling my guys where they need to be at. They're in the wrong spot. Like, but you learn players win games, sets don't win games. And so this year I did a really much better job, which is very hard to do because we had a lot of freshmen, right? We had a lot of young guys is, okay, where can we find that balance of, let me put these guys in positions to be basketball players. Now you go make plays so that if, if these guys shut down this set or this action, whatever, look, the ball's in your hands, you're in your spot, go make a play. Don't look over at me all times. I didn't call, I mean, I rarely called timeouts. I mean, honestly, I, I tried to save them as much as possible just for the end of the games. But if you watched our games, I would say it was very rare for us to call timeout in the first half um, unless there was a big run that we needed to stop. So that's one thing I've changed. I wish I would have been more more player, player specific, player oriented when it comes to the offense and defensive side of things. Um, sometimes I would just get in the way and I'm still learning that to this day. Get out of the way. All right, let's get into some fun, quick hitters. I'll lead it off. Kevin had you look back at, at some decisions. I'll give you a chance to look ahead. I'll give you a magic wand. College basketball, you can make one change. Whatever you say sticks. You can make a rule change. You can make a policy change. Whatever you want when it comes to the world of college basketball. Scott says this, and we're going to do it. What is it? Well, the, my first thought was allowing me to call timeout again above two minutes. That drives me nuts. This whole, uh, you can't call timeouts, your players do. And I'm like, look, I'm, I'm yelling at my guys to call timeout and then they call timeout. So I don't understand the issue. But no, I think one change, um, I think the way the, the girls game has gone uh, with advancing the ball, playing the quarters, I just, I'm more of a fan of it now. I just think the game flow is better. I think 10 minute quarters, I think having those fouls reset every quarter, the bonus at five. The one thing that I've, I've changed my mind on with the free throw thing is, you know, fouling is a negative play. You know, we stat that and everything you stat says fouls are negative. And I, I would like to see the one and one disappear. I know that's a strategy at the end of the games, but by, by fouling, 
that's a that's a negative play and I wish that would go the way it is with the women's sports so you know advancing the ball with the timeout doing the four quarters the 10 minute halves all that good stuff um I would like to see it go to that I think it's heading that way to be honest with you they don't need to they really don't need to keep moving the three-point line back like that's played good for us because you know we don't shoot a ton of threes and they keep moving it back and moving it back and moving it back. It's like, geez, just this is unbelievable. Our guys, all these people are shooting thirty percent from the three point line or less. So uh, they don't need to touch that. I don't think you know the way the we've talked a lot about the lane widening, how that could help. Um, you know, I played overseas a little bit, so I've seen the FIBA, the international line, and it's good. It it allows more spacing inside, but I would just like to see the game go to the four quarters like the women's game. Nice. I'm going to get my notepad out for the next one here for, for the next time we play you, but uh, you're, you're up three other team has the ball four seconds to play. Are you fouling or are you letting them get one off? Oh, every time, every time you're fouling. Yep. Every time. And here's, here's the honest opinion. Uh, you know, you can do stats and what's, what's good, what's bad. Look, it doesn't matter what you do. Just make sure everyone on your team knows what you're doing, like everybody. And I think that's that's part of coaching that I've tried to figure out is no matter what situations we're in, and yes, some situations require different things, but you should all know in situations, your players should be looking over you, and they already know what's going on. And and we had that this year. We're like, we got in a couple situations where we're going to foul. You know, it's a free throw or – or something, and they got to go the length of the floor. And if we're up four, we're not touching. If we're up three, we're going to go ahead and give. And time obviously matters. You know, what time we practice that. Is it seven seconds? Is it 10? Is it three-point line? Is it half court? So that changes, but we'll always foul. And I think the best part about that is whether that's right or wrong, all 15 guys know we're doing it. There's no confusion. Yeah, no, that that's good. I mean, that's a great perspective on it too, right? Because that's another one of those things that you, you could talk around it a bunch of different ways. And I could show you film on when that would backfire and you could show me film on when that would work, right? And the biggest thing is, are your guys uh, dialed into that? Another one along the lines of fun here for me, if I wasn't coaching basketball, if you said, hey, that's off off the books, what sport would I coach? I'm, I'm absolutely coaching football, okay? Coach now I know you have you, you've tried your hand in other sports coaching in college already, so you're you're more experienced than I am. But but if you couldn't coach basketball, what other sport would you coach and why? Well, I'd, can I say I'd be your assistant so I could be out here for most of the time? Like, yeah. No, <laughs> if but I wasn't yeah, coaching, it's not another sport. Come on. Um, it's actually uh, ba- basketball is not my favorite sport. Uh, baseball is. Um, I like football a lot. Um, I don't know if I'd like coaching football as much just because there's, there's so many players, right? I like the kind of intimacy that a small team has with 15 guys. Um, baseball would be my favorite sport. So it's a long, it's a long season, but man, there's something about just seeing that grass and just sitting down and getting a yell at umpire once in a while and just going, holy cow, I get to do this for a living. So I'll say baseball. All right. I, I'm way too squirrely for baseball, man. I make it about two innings. You make me a MLB commissioner tomorrow. We're going three inning games and we're only playing 50 of them, baby. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out, but unbelievable. So. All right, Scott, give us your ultimate dinner party. What three guests dead or alive you want at your ultimate dinner party? Ooh. 
man, that's a tough on the spot. We just got to the good part of the podcast, Scott. So (laughs) party. Hmm. I'm a history guy. I would probably, Abraham Lincoln would probably be one. I know that probably is way left field. Um, but I'm a history guy. Uh, he's my favorite president. So I'd probably do Abraham Lincoln. Is Jesus not counted in this? Like, is he separate? Buddy, it's your dinner party, man. You're the invites. So, so I just go. Jesus be there. Go ahead and invite him. <laughs> is that cheating? Father, son, Holy Ghost? No. Uh, <laughs> you can do, okay. you can do different than that. I won't I'm say going, better, but you can do different. I'm going with Jesus. I'm going with Abraham Lincoln. That's a big, that's a big, uh, that's a big step down, but we'll take it for the historical <laughs> content. And then uh, I got to get an athlete in there, don't I? Yeah, you're an athlete. Um, I don't have to do an athlete. Athletes aren't that interesting. I know that's terrible. <laughs> I'll go Kevin Lovers. How about that? Is that uh, bad? No way. No way. You're not getting off that point. <laughs> you need to. You need to rock somebody other than that. I'm. I'm off the list. I took. I. I said no to your invite. Ask somebody else. <laughs> Delete. All right. I will go. I will go David. David from the Bible. He would be an interesting character for me. Um, talk about a man that lived many, many different uh, lives, right? Inside of one story. He would be, he would definitely be on my table for sure. Yeah. That's that sounds great. good to me. I like it. That's a good, uh, that'd be a good round table discussion there. So I think. Uh, looking at Jesus and asking one guy the question. So that you should, probably should have just took him out of there and yeah. maybe pick my assumption is he would have some feedback for honest Dave and David, but, uh, I digress on that. So, um, another one here, you're looking at the landscape of, I'll, I'll keep it to pro coaches, just a okay. flavor. Give me the two people that you look to in the pro world. Doesn't have to be basketball. And you say, huh, I may not know that guy intimately, but it sure looks like they kind of got this thing going in the right direction. Sure. Man, I really, 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 I know it's kind of, um, kind of right now, but I really like Monty Williams. Like I just, the relationship piece that he's, he's willing to share and, you know, and it's a different, like, let's be realistic. The professional level is a whole nother level of coaching men and coaching men that are grown men. And some of these, some of these guys are shoot almost as old as some of their coaches, but Monty Williams to me, uh, for what I know embodies a lot of what you and I, you know, coach for. It's about, it's about these, these men and how do I develop these men? They're the best players in the world. And a lot of the times it looks like he's just trying to stay out of the way and let his players be as great as they can. So, you know, I love his quote, the, you know, everything you want is on the other side of hard. And it, you know, if this stuff was easy, then so many people would do it, but it's not, it's really difficult. Coaching is coaching is easy when you're sitting on your couch. Like we're all great coaches, right? When we're yelling at the screen or in the stands, but coaching people is a whole nother level. And he has been one that I've really looked up to these last couple of years and just the respect that his guys have. Um, I'm going to try to think about a non, a non uh, basketball, um, the football world, you know, the, some of these younger guys, like the Sean McVay's are interesting to me. These, these kind of, I'm not real. I'm going to be transparent with you. Even though I'm younger, I'm not super analytical. Um, I believe in, in analytics and I believe in stats and I believe in 
you know, that stuff helps win certain games. But I also believe in so much of that depends on the players you have. And we, you know, you can ask Kevin, we are one of the lowest percentage as far as attempting. We still shoot 39% from three, so we're really high. But, you know, we attempt 15, 16 threes a game, which is bottom 5% in the country. And I still think you can win a lot of games not shooting a lot of threes, but it also it's because of the guys I have, right? If I can take advantage, if I can get to the free throw line, if I can get you in foul trouble. So the Sean McVay's of the world, those guys, football coaches are another breed anyway. Like their their brains are different. Different. They're different. And I just think something like him, he's so intellectual and his the way he sees the game and remembers the game. I, I listened to a podcast one time and they asked him a question literally about a play that was three years previous in a game, just random, right? And he went back and he described the drive three years ago of the same. And I'm like, man, I, I don't have that. I got a good memory and I can remember bits and pieces of things, but that is another level. And the respect I have for those guys that, like, that's something my older brother could do is just think back to, hey, six years ago, I was sitting here. Here's how this series went. And those are incredible. So that that would be my two. I'd pick McVay, and then I'd pick Monty Williams. All right. And I, I didn't get the memo on shooting threes. I must have I must have lost that because we, we, uh, <laughs> we let her that fly. Is, let's do what Grace does. Let's triple it. And yeah. then we'll just go rebound any miss we have, and that'll be su- successful, which is obviously turned out to be successful. We shoot 15 in like the first five minutes of the game. So um, last one for me. And then I think, I think Donnie's going to wrap this, but uh, best book you've ever read. Yeah. Wild at heart outside of the Bible. Um, and there's something to that. It's not a sports book, but John Eldridge uh, wrote a book a long time ago saying wild at heart. And, you know, I've had the great opportunity and blessing to be a father for the last 19 months, which obviously changes your life when you become a father And I think, um, you know, the world is changing. It it changes. It's different from when you and I were kids. It's different than when our parents were kids. So, like, every decade is different. And, you know, now I I feel like the old guy saying it it wasn't as good as it used to be. But I think the one thing that 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 book has taught me is, you know, a man's heart – is an adventure, man. There's an adventure to be lived. There's a beauty to be rescued. We all want to be important. We all want to have an influence or impact on something. And I think one thing I've learned from that book, and I try to try to, you know, proclaim to my kids is there's a lot of people that are afraid to fail today. There's a lot of people that are not willing to try because they may get turned down or they may get told no, or they may just be unsuccessful, but man, oh man, oh man, to be able to trust in God and just go running, man. And just, just tackle anything that comes your way with an open mind, open heart, open book, and just be able to just give everything you have. And it's okay to lose. Like it's okay. You know, this is maybe bad parenting, but Charlie Moore, my two-year-old, probably not going to get too many participation trophies because he needs to learn. It's okay to, you know, it's okay for my team to go into the furnace and get beat by a really good coach and a really good team. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. 
Because look what that game did for us by the time it's February and we're playing at Marion for the Crossroads League Championship. I believe that game helped us in that game. And too many times we're afraid to just go. Just go, man. Just try it. Have some faith. And it may not work out, but that's okay. Because God's path is so much more special than ours anyway. And when we give that up and just trust in him to go for it, it's amazing what this, this world and this life can provide for you. And you're going to be sitting down one day going, man, I'm glad I just went for it. I'm glad I tried instead of, I wish I would have, I wish I would have done this differently. So that was a long answer. Sorry. No, all, all good, man. Love you, buddy. Good stuff. Thanks. Scott Moore, the men's basketball coach at Grace has been our guest this week. Coach, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate all your insights. For sure. Hey, I got to ask, I'm interested, Kevin, uh, who are you sitting with at a meal? <laughs> oh, who am I sitting with at a meal? That's a great, I thought you'd never ask. Um, boy, that's a good question. I'm probably, I'm with you on two. I think I'd, I'd go Abe Lincoln as well. I'd go, um, I mean, Jesus, I don't know how I could not include uh, him at the table. Um, boy another one um i am probably gonna go with uh mother Teresa. would be my other one uh somebody that just lived a life of service to others and it sure doesn't seem from afar she ever got very whiny or complainy about it like i do so i'd like to to probably sit and just pick her brain i also really would value uh, a feminine perspective rather than just a bunch of dudes sitting around the table. I think that'd get pretty boring. So uh, Good that's probably what I'm going with. Hey, I asked, I asked this, I'm sorry, Donnie, if I, I've taken too much of your time, but I asked this question to uh, coaches I've been running into this year. Cause I'm just curious, uh, coach lovers. What's, what is one thing that, you know, you've been coaching for quite a while here. So you've seen a lot of this, but what's one thing you think you've learned uh, in this past year coaching, um, that you didn't didn't have before or something maybe you got better at this past year um i would say it's kind of an every i was just talking to another coach about this this morning uh, um to be named later but uh he's going to be having his first uh child this year and i think um i just if nothing else this year uh the most important thing in my life was recalibrated for me uh, and that's just how incredibly special my wife is um, and also my kids. Uh, and just, um, I think as a coach, and, and I'll be honest here, I don't think I've always done a very good job of just uh, embracing how special uh, my wife is to me uh, and, and how much she matters. And, uh, you know, I owe her everything uh, for being able to be in this profession as long as I have. Um, and she's a butt kicker on her own, man. She's, she's an incredible person, talented leader, and she has sold out in support of me to be able to do this. Um, and, and I, I can't imagine, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for the amount of love and encouragement, uh, and forgiveness she's given to me over the years. And then also I'd say the same thing as my kids have gotten older, you know, you're on the front end of that. Scott, I got a, a 14 year old and a 10 year old and an eight year old. And those years clicked by really, really fast. Um, and I'm going to be teaching my daughter how to drive a car here shortly. And that's wild. But um, 
You know, I, I think, and I gave this advice to the person I was having breakfast with this morning. It's, it's one of those things I, I probably could have done better if I'm really going to be honest. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's just really dive into that love that's at home. Uh, and that's not really a basketball answer, but it's completely a basketball answer. And I think you know what I mean when I say that. So, good question. Good question. Good question. Thanks for asking. Oh.